Hello, all you Bay Brother listeners, and thank you for listening to our podcast. Hi, I'm Andrew Hall. I'm Jack DC, and today is the 23rd of November. And indeed, um, today is Happy Black Friday to everyone. Yesterday was Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to all. Hope you all had a happy Thanksgiving. How was your Thanksgiving, Andrew? Mine is great. Celebrated with the family at, the, uh, at our house. Heading up to uh, the woods in Iowa this upcoming weekend for uh, another Thanksgiving on Saturday. And, you know, you can never get enough Thanksgiving. The yes, food, the tradition, true. the football, the family. How how deep into the woods are you talking? You know, we, we head pretty deep in the woods. My grandpa has a cabin out there. Lots of deer, lots of woods. Watch out for deer. Those so it's, can, uh, they can get wild. It's, it's pretty fun. All right, and we're going to flip the script on you a little bit, and we're going to open up with a Thanksgiving Final Four to you, so we'll kick it off here. And we got a, a new intro for you for Final Four, so Andrew, hit the track. It's the Final Four. All right, and um, I'll start out with the first pick for the Thanksgiving Final Four. For the first pick, I'll take Stuffing. Now, the reasoning behind this one is it's kind of a rarity to have it outside of Thanksgiving, so we need to enjoy the time that we have it with stuffing. So that's the reasoning behind number one overall. Okay, my second overall pick for the Thanksgiving draft is going to be apple pie, absolute American classic. You know, the sautéed apples nice and soft, melting in your mouth with the warm pie, maybe a side of whipped cream or ice cream on top, just a delicious bite. For my second pick, I'm going to go with... uh, Mashed potatoes, I feel like um, this one's going off the board pretty quick. A fan favorite among many. And I'm going to counter Jack's mashed potatoes with one of my favorites is a sweet potato casserole. Now, this is what I make for my family. You get the sweet potatoes, then you get the crumble on top, brown sugar, pecans. Then you finally top it out with more sweetness with some toasted marshmallows on top. It is a bite of heaven, I tell you. If you haven't had a sweet potato casserole before, I highly recommend it. It's kind of good for any time of the year, specifically in the winter, but the flavors are just unbelievable in that bite. Yeah, I I haven't had it yet, so I might need to try it, but I'm not a big sweet potatoes guy, so we'll see about that. Uh, For my third pick, now, this is a tough one for me, but I'm going to have to go with pumpkin pie. I don't want to leave turkey out to dry. But, you know, I got to go with, with what's better flavor than the all-time classic. So, pumpkin pie, it's my favorite pie, I'd say. Don't have it too often. It's pie, underrated, uh, underrated dessert, I'd say. So, shout out to pie. Okay, for my third pick, I'm going to take cranberry sauce as it's very diverse. Um, I, lo- I love it with a little hint of orange zest on it. But cranberry sauce just brings all the flavors on a plate together when you mix all the Thanksgiving foods together, the turkey, the mashed potatoes, the sweet potatoes, the Brussels sprouts, all the vegetables, the stuffing. You mix it with cranberry sauce, that little tartness. It just brings everything together. All right, and for my last pick, I'm going to go with a late-round gem. I think this is actually probably my second favorite Thanksgiving food, but I knew you were not going to take this. I'm going to go with baked mac and cheese. This is not always a common um thing in households for uh thanksgiving 
a lot of black people have big mac and cheese. Um, so we need to endorse it into the into the white culture, which I'm uh, very ashamed of. It needs to be in there. It is a top two or three item on my plate every year. Okay, and for my final pick, this is also kind of an outcast on the Thanksgiving landscape. But yesterday, instead of turkey, my family had a baked ham. Oh, come on. And it was unbelievable, I tell you. You can't do the bird like that, man. You got (laughs) to go with the turkey. We're having turkey tomorrow, and turkey is personally not my favorite. It's dry. But you have to eat it. It's Thanksgiving. There's no ifs, ands, or buts, man. Hey, if people didn't want it, if people weren't willing to change the culture, then there wouldn't be a lot of things in life. You got to mix things up sometimes. I had a ham yesterday with a brown sugar crumble on top. It, It was baked. It was just unbelievable. The flavors, the warmness. I... I really think that America needs to implement ham instead of turkey into their Thanksgiving tradition. Now, as we head into our opener, we're going to talk about Feast Week and all that came for us. Uh, NFL recap, all those Thanksgiving games, and um, some of our college football coming up this weekend with Rivalry Week. So to start it off, Atlantis, we have the championship game tonight between Virginia and Wisconsin, two top 25 teams. Also, two teams who we talked about last week with um, some very unlike, likely uh, pace of play that we do not like to watch. Yeah, Wisconsin's looked really good this week, even though their three-point shooting hasn't been unbelievable, except Trice had, went 7-for-8 in a game. Um, their inside game has been unbelievable. Ethan Happ, his footwork is impeccable in the paint. I've seen Jay Billis, Jay Williams all really compliment his footwork in the paint, um, future NBA prospect. He's really looking good on his game. And then Virginia, classic, grinding out games. Their defense is going to beat you, and they're going to be able to drive and get to the line enough to win those games. And with Virginia, they also have a lot of good shooters with uh, Jerome and Kyle Guy. Kyle Guy among some of the um, best three-point shooters in the nation. Um, They can really stretch the floor out with that. And I think they'll be a for sure Final Four contender this year. Not losing a whole lot from uh, their team last year. So I think they'll be a favorite in the long run on fair tonight. And as many of you guys know, the Maui Invitational took place this week. Uh, incredible upset by Gonzaga over Duke in the, in the championship. Upset. Upset. That, this was, is not an upset. Duke was being called one of the greatest teams of all time. They have four well, that unbelievable was complete nonsense, And you knew that. I did not. I, I thought I'm Duke, Zags all the way, man. I Live totally, and die with the Ziggs. They don't even have Killian Tilly back. That team's a force. I'm, I, they're going 40 you know. Zags all the way. Nobody's stopping the West Coast Conference. I don't see the Dons coming after them. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I did not expect that at all. I totally call that an upset. Gonzaga almost loses to Arizona the night before. They were down in the first half. Then they make a late run uh, against Arizona, a team that is not that deep. I don't think anyone expected Gonzaga to beat the heavy favorites in that tournament, Duke. All I'm saying is I was riding the Zags all the way. I had confidence in them. They got uh, Rui back for a junior season, which he's looking amazing inside and outside. With Killian Tilly, when he gets back, they got um, Patrick on the outside. um, Sorry, Josh Perkins, my bad. On the outside, he handles the ball almost better than anybody in the nation running an offense. He makes plays that are not uh, shown in the stat sheet. Um, point taken, but nonetheless, Duke has shown that they are vulnerable. I heard Bruce Pearl say that if you get them into foul trouble with Zion and Marquise Golden, 
they're vulnerable to be able to attack and attack the rim. But I just want to uh, talk about Zion Williamson. And this guy is a highlight show. I, I Whenever Zion's not playing, I don't like to watch Duke. But when he's on the court, they are must-watch television. Zion, he'll dunk on you. He can shoot. He can drive. He can play defense. He can jump out the gym. He blocks everyone. This guy is an absolute monster. As the Knicks like to say, we're not trying for Zion. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Duke, I still think they're their heavy favorites to win the title. Even though they have freshmen, these type of games are going to prepare them for March. They need these type of games to prepare them for tight situations because it's not always going to go right for them. But as they get more and more experienced, they're going to be more and more ready for March. And uh, Coach K is going to prepare his boys well for these intense games, I say. Yeah, uh, I mean, they'll gain experience as the year goes on to see how they um, fare in the tough ACC and how they face with adversity. And as we go tonight, we also have the championship of the preseason NIT with two top five teams in Tennessee and uh, Kansas. Kansas coming off a win against Marquette and Tennessee coming off a win against Louisville. Um, I like Kansas in the matchup. Tennessee has a lot of guys coming back. That's why they're... In the top five already, um, a lot of good guard play on the outside. They should be top top three, top two in the um, in the SEC for sure. I think Kansas inside presence um, with whatever his name is, I can't pronounce it ever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and they have um, Grimes, freshman. He's a very good guard. They have a very good tandem guard play on the outside with uh, Vic. So I think if they if their shooters get going, it can open up the inside and they can um, feast with the layups as long as they don't get into foul trouble because that's what hurt them on um, for, on Wednesday, excuse me, against Marquette. They got into foul trouble early, and that's how Marquette got out in front, except for Marquette collapsed and they took the lead. Yeah, I think the key for Kansas is defending the perimeter, as it was evident in when in the first half, Marquette was pretty easily beating Kansas up by eight at the half. Like Marquette was not favored in that game at all, but they shown that Kansas is vulnerable. And then in the second half, Kansas defended the perimeter and the three-point shooters much better, and they took over the game by a lot and went on a deep run to win that game. So I think the key for Kansas is keeping that defense steady because that offense is pretty unstoppable and pretty experienced also. And we also have the semifinals going on today of the um, Advocare Tournament in Orlando. And those matchups consist of Villanova and Oklahoma State, LSU and Florida State. Florida State will also be a top team in the ACC this year. And Villanova, most likely a top team in the Big East. Villanova struggling lately, as we know. I still like them over Oklahoma State. I don't think Oklahoma State has much this year. Um, So that would be a good matchup to see Villanova and Florida State in a final there. Yeah, I'm taking Villanova and Florida State also. Villanova shown yesterday that they rebounded from their losses. James Pascoe looked really good shooting, driving. Um, he's definitely a Big East Player of the Year candidate. And Florida State, I expect them to be, continue to have really good big men and beat that LSU team. But um, yeah, so a good feast week to start off. Still continuing with great games today. Now moving on to some NFL we're going to talk about the Monday night football game with the Rams and the Chiefs a little bit. And this was probably the most entertaining NFL game I've ever seen. 
it really shown the evolution of the game as the game is transitioning from more of a running game to a passing game, as now the statistics show that um, 60% of the time plays are passing and 40% is running plays, and that is an all-time high for the passing. And for me, it really looked like a Big 12 game where the defenses don't show much toughness and the offenses are, you know, flying the ball all over the place, scoring all the time. Um, Jared Goff, Patrick Mahomes, uh, great coaches with Sean McVay and Andy Reid, offensive geniuses, and they really show that the game is transitioning from having a tough defense to you really need a good offense to win as this game was you know, unbelievable. The Rams eventually win uh, 54-51 to 51 in an intense game as they win in the final minute, I believe. And it was just an unbelievable game. What do you have to say about the Jack? Yeah, personally, I uh, didn't get a whole lot of chance to watch most of it. I was trying to study for some Spanish. You know, I was kind of... <laughs> I didn't think I did too good on that. But perhaps, anyway, um, going back to the game, like you said, it's it's an offensive league, honestly. And, like... All sports right now, college, basketball, NBA, it's all about offense, you know. The defense isn't uh, shining as much as it once used to, not taught as strongly, perhaps, as much. Um, But I think you saw in the game there's also a lot of turnovers that is also needed um, to win games. So I think you, uh, if you have a good offense, you still need those late-game stops and um, somewhat of a defense to get through and get through close games when your offense is getting tired and they're, you know, out on the field a lot. It's hard to, it's hard to maintain that. Yeah. All the leagues are definitely pushing for more offense in the major league launch angle, home runs. Fans love to see home runs. Um, in the NBA, three point shooting is up and dunks are all the way up. You know, teams are looking at the analytics thinking our best percentage to win is either getting inside paint shots or three pointers. In the NFL, it's the same. Um, the, the league is encouraging passing plays as they create all these new rules to benefit the offense with, you know, corners can can barely touch wide receivers, um, roughing the passer calls that were just outrageous, and how you can't tackle as ferociously anymore, attacking the head for the safety of the game. But it's definitely an offensive league now. And for me, I don't even think a defensive um, minded coach is going to be hired as head coach anymore because teams are trying to copycat these successful teams like the Rams, the Saints, the Chiefs. And if you want to compete with these teams, you need offensive minded geniuses to run the teams for the offense well, to succeed. I, I agree with that in some sense, but then you also have to think if you don't have enough here, you know, sometimes you got to zig whenever you zag and you got to zag whenever you zig. It's just the apo taco kind of yin and yang where you have to find the competitive advantages. And right now, if you have the extreme of the really good offense, you can win ball games. But also, you know, you look back at the Seahawks. Yes, you know, they had a really good defense, which won them a Super Bowl. So you have to find the cracks in how you can get your competitive advantage in a different way. Because, it'll, it'll, like, you know, 20 years from now, it might be an all-defense league and it'll be running. It's just kind of the zigging and zagging that you need to find. Yeah, I don't think it's going to evolve into a running league ever again. But at the end of the day, as Vince Lombardi once said, defense wins championships. And you do need a defense sometimes to get a big stop for you at the end of the game. And that may be the key for you know, one of these offensive teams down the road. All right, um, so here's a quick recap of the Thanksgiving games that took place yesterday. First game, the 11:30 game, was the Lions versus Bears. 
Um, the Bears win in a close one in the end, I believe 23-13 to 13 as they improve to an 8-3 and three record. Lions um, are 4-7 and seven now, pretty much out of the playoff picture. Stafford gives up two key interceptions at the end of the game, just looking terrible. One a pick six, and the other uh, interception in the end zone. And the, this pretty much puts the Lions out of the playoffs, I think. Yeah, um, they're kind of digging their own grave right now. Seems like the last couple of years, not necessarily a disappointment, just not enough talent for the Lions. And I, the Bears are runway with the division. Packers and Vikings trying to catch them. Yeah. Um, the next game was the Redskins versus Cowboys. Cowboys win 31-23. to Amari Cooper had a breakout game. Um, Cowboys traded for Amari Cooper midseason for the for first-round pick to the Raiders. And the Cowboys really needed a wide receiver. You know, they debated taking a taking a wide receiver first round pick with like Calvin Ridley, who went to the Falcons, and he's really shown he's good. And everyone's saying, you know, they really needed a wide receiver. Well, they traded for one, and as they shown yesterday, Amari Cooper is a big key to their success. As he went had 180 yards for two touchdowns, and they had a heavy diet of Ezekiel Elliott. And if they want to continue to have success, I think they need to continue to feed the beast in Ezekiel Elliott as they've gone six and one when he's had 30 carries or more and the Cowboys have emerged themselves as a heavy favorite in that division as they're six and five the Redskins are tied with them at six and five but the Eagles are right on their tail they have a big game against the Giants this weekend and so that division is still wide open anyone can go grab it and I think the Cowboys are the favorite at this point as they've shown that they're a pretty good team in the last couple weeks. Uh, we got our stat of the day coming up last night after dinner. Got into the studio, bust out some lyrics, got it all in, and we got a little track to run for you for the stat of the day. Yo, statisticians. Let's geek it. We're gonna drop some stats. Brothers back with some fresh new tracks. War, Vork, and RE24. Under the tree of the same metric tour. We're not all about the James and the Kennys. We know that Darvish ain't more than a penny. To the average Joe, it might be nonsense. But to the Bay Brothers, it makes perfect sense. And our stat of the day is since November 11th, Jason Garrett has won three games. Steve Kerr and Greg Popovich have won one game in the NBA, and Bill Belichick has won zero games. Now, Jason Garrett has been heavily scrutinized this season for his coaching antics, saying that he should definitely be fired, but the Cowboys have been playing really well the last three games, and this just shows how well they've been playing as, you know, even in the NBA where they play more games, three of the best coaches of all time have failed to win more than one game in that stretch, showing the success of Jason Garrett. And the last Thanksgiving day of the game, of the day was Falcons versus Saints. Saints won 31 to 17 and the Falcons had their opportunities in this game, but they turned the ball over in the red zone three times and that really put the nail in the coffin um for them and they pretty much put themselves out of the playoff picture as now they are 4 and 7 and the Saints have won 10 consecutive games and they're the heavy favorite to win the Super Bowl now. And some of the NFL games coming this weekend, we have Eagles, Giants, Seahawks, Panthers, Dolphins, Colts and a little East-West border battle between the Packers and the Vikings. And now we got um, 
some new newcomers coming on the MLB ballot for the Hall of Fame. Those people include Andy Pettit, Todd Helton, Roy Halladay, and Mariano Rivera. We'll go through a little um, first glance, first take picks on these, and later in the coming episodes, we'll dive into a little comparative analysis and what we um, and how those fair against, those guys fare against other Hall of Famers. So Andy Pettit, I say nay for him, Esther. Yeah. Uh, me too. His ERA in the regular season is 3.85. Definitely not good enough in to, to get into the hall. Um, next up is Roy Holiday. I definitely think he's I think he's worthy of getting in. He is a two-time Cy Young Award winner. He pitched for six, 16 seasons, and for eight years, he was one of the best pitchers in the game. Um, he was pretty clutch in the postseason with a 2.37 ERA. Yeah, throughout his peak years, he pretty much dominated all of MLB, being the best pitcher of that uh, Seven seven to eight year span, so I'll have to give him the nod to the hall. And Mariano Rivera, this one is a uh, pretty self explanatory to most. Uh, that is a for sure in being one of the best closers of all time, and obviously a lockdown man for the Yankees throughout the nineties. Yeah, he's definitely getting in. Sandman is undoubtedly the best relief pitcher of all time. He was the first man to really master the cutter, and he has a 56.2 war of all time, which is really good in showing the value of him. All right, now we're going to move into some college football picks. We have rivalry rivalry week coming up, and um, those games include Oklahoma and West Virginia. Oklahoma's favored by three and a half. I'm going to take Oklahoma on this one. I think Kyler Murray's going to have a big game. Oklahoma needs to keep an undefeated record if they want to keep their playoff hopes alive. I'll also take Oklahoma. I think they can beat uh, West Virginia by more than a field goal, even though on the road it'll be tough. Um, Yeah, I think they'll win that game. All right, next game is Washington versus Washington State. Washington State favored by 2.5 at home. I'm taking Washington Washington State on this one. Mike Leach has done an unbelievable job with that team. Um, their offense is booming. They've really emerged themselves as a national favorite in the West. And if if they continue to have the, the success, they could definitely be in a New Year's Bowl. I don't think the playoff, but I think a really good bowl they could be in. Um, also take WSU. Favored by two and a half. I think they could uh, get one by a field goal or more at home. That place will be rocking. Uh, Michigan, Ohio State. Um, I'm going to take Ohio State on this one. Being at home, Michigan's fair by four and a half. I think it's a little too much. I think Ohio State could play a little bit of spoiler for Michigan there. Yeah, this is a huge game. If Michigan wants to keep their playoff hopes alive, they need to win out. But if they win this game, I think they're they're a lock-in. They face Northwestern next week in the Big Ten Championship. And I'm going to take Michigan on this one, favored by four and a half. Their defense has shown to really step up in big moments. I think Jim Harbaugh, this is finally year to get his team over the hump and into the playoff. Ohio State shows they're, shows they're really vulnerable, almost losing to Maryland last week. And I think all of those shenanigans that have gone on in that university is finally going to catch up to them in this game. Auburn, Alabama. Bama fared by 24. I'm going to take Auburn. Even though it's at home at Bama, seems like a little too much, too big of a spread for me. Yeah, I'm going to take Alabama on this one, actually, because it's a rivalry week. Nick Saban is definitely going to hype up his team. Um, they're at home. That place is going to be rocking. Auburn has no shot. Jared Stidham, he was a heavy favorite to be one of the first overall picks this year. He's shown he's very turnover-prone. 
and Alabama is just going to ruffle his feathers at, in the defense, I say, this week. Notre Dame and USC. Notre Dame favored by 11 at the LA Coliseum. I'm going to take uh, Notre Dame on that one. Yeah, I'm going to take Notre Dame on this one, too. If they win out, they're definitely in the playoff. Um, I think Notre Dame's shown they have a really good running game. They can mix it with their um, passing game as well. I'm taking Notre Dame on this one. And now a quick little uh, golf talk. We have uh, Tiger and Phil Mickelson, the one-on-one battle everybody's been waiting for. That's taking place tonight, I believe, at 3 Eastern Time, 2 Central. And I like Phil Mickelson, the southpaw in that one. Um, He's got over the hump of winning a major over the last uh, year, and I think this could really kick him off to win a few more majors coming up. I'm taking Tiger, the best golfer of, of all time. You know, I'm not much of a golf fan, but I've just seen the videos. I think Tiger's going to come up clutch in the moment. He's going to be there. He's going to be his rival, Phil Mickelson. This is going to be um, a golf battle of the ages. Definitely tune into this one if you got the $20 to spare. Yeah, I'm guessing Tiger is rocking the red shirt this weekend. <laughs> uh, now we're going to dive into a little NBA talk. So, Andrew... Uh, the Warriors are struggling lately, as we know. Are they okay? Is it is it a is it a panic doom? What are we looking at? Concern, concern, panic or doom? A little tune to MLB now. They do concern, panic or doom. We'll hit you on this one. All right. Um, the Warriors have lost four straight for the first time in the Steve Kerr era. Era. Last year, they missed Curry and Draymond um, for a ten game stretch, and they went nine and one. In, that, in those 10 games. Right now, Curry and Draymond have been out for seven games, and they've gone two and five. They have the third worst defensive rating in the league, and they're 19th best in the offensive rating. Now, this is pretty controversial, but I think the Warriors are not okay. This, so is it a concern, panic, or doom? I need an answer. I think this is a concern. They're not doomed at all. They're, they're still, they still have Kevin Durant, one of the most explosive players in the league. They're going to get boogie back three-fourths of the season through that Achilles injury. Curry's going to come back, and he really makes that ship sail. Um, Thompson, I think he's going to get his shooting stroke back, and Draymond is the glue of that team. He's going to bring everyone together. But uh, this is just a concern because there's a lot more depth in the league. The East is looking pretty good with the Raptors and the Bucks. I think the Warriors need to get their chemistry back, need to get all that conflict out of the locker room. They need to get what are the their chemistry back, and they need to get that ship going again um, to be to continue their dynasty. Okay, um, I'm also going to go concerned for the Warriors. I think they'll figure it out. It's a long season. I'm not too worried. I'm almost positive they'll come out of the West, but I think this year they're a little more vulnerable in the finals. Okay, um, and now we have another stat of the day about the NBA. And on Wednesday, the Bucks played the Trailblazers, and they lost by 43 points. And that is the largest loss by a conference leader since conferences were created in 1970, showing the power of the Bucks as they are second in the rankings right now at 13-4. and four. Um, But some teams that have been struggling include the Celtics that are 9-9 nine and nine in the East, but in the West... The leader right now is the Memphis Grizzlies at 12-5, and and they've looked really good, really surprisingly. But also the Lakers have emerged as a really good team, and they're 8-2 of their last 10. LeBron James kind of getting his troops going. Lonzo Ball was watching the Cavs game the other day. He was just looking phenomenal. And uh, that team is built for a long run, I say. All right, and now we're going to dive into... 
Pac-12 preview as we're doing one uh, uh, major conference each week leading up to conference play. And I'll start off with my kind of top teams and top players to look out for. So the overall favorite for me going into this um, conference season is Oregon. They have two really good freshmen with Bull Bull and Lewis King. Um, Bull Bull with his extreme length and height. He still has to grow into his body and find himself basketball-wise, but the potential is off the charts. Um, UCLA, I like second overall. They have um, some good returning players, Chris Works and Jalen Hands. And uh, for my third uh, third place team, I'm going to go with Arizona. Even though um, they have a lot of off off the court things going on, I think they have a still an okay nucleus to get through. I think Sean Miller is still a good coach, not a good uh, recruiter because of his all shenanigans. But I think on the court specifically, um, Sean Miller is still a good coach there. Okay, for my um, Pac-12 pick, I'm going to take Arizona, kind of a surprise, for first overall. You know, even though in the past they've been heavily favored, they've won the Pac-12 in the past, they've had great freshmen, I think this year is kind of the year they're going to gather themselves all together. They have three veteran transfers coming in. They have a phenomenal freshman in Brandon Williams, and I think they're going to try to hush all the haters on Arizona um, by winning a Pac-12. And um, the uh, most likely conference player of the year is McKinley Wright of Colorado. He will be a very dynamic player. Um, As a freshman last year, he was already averaging 14 points, five assists, almost five rebounds. And one steal. So this year looks to be his breakout season. He could uh, he could expedite the Colorado team to be cracking the top four, top, cracking the top four or three of that conference. But we'll see if uh, his supporting cast can help him help him in that journey. And now we um, are going to end today with another Final Four of college football rivalries leading up to rivalry week. So, Andrew, since I had the first pick for the Thanksgiving one, you can kick this one off. All right. For the first pick in college football rivalries, I'm going to take an absolute classic, Ohio State-Michigan. There have been too many close games, close battles. These teams absolutely despise each other. And this is going to be evident in this weekend. These teams are always really good, always at the top of the rankings, usually playing for the Big Ten, and that is no different this weekend. They're playing for their lives in um, the college football world this weekend. For my first pick, I'm going to go with Alabama and Auburn. These two have been heavyweights for a long time with some all-time classic games. This one seems pretty obvious to me. All right, I, um, for my next pick, I'm going to take Army-Navy. Now, these two teams may not be at the top of the college football rankings all the time, but these teams carry tradition. They carry a certain connotation with them when these two play game. Um, the tradition, the the importance of the game that these two universities ha- hold, this is a tradition like no other. It's, uh, it's definitely a great rivalry game. Uh, for my second pick, I'm going to take Notre Dame-USC. This was... Still a good rivalry, but it was great when uh, USC was having their um, having their winning streak back in the early 2000s, and they were on top of the world with Notre Dame trying to dethrone them, so trying to recapture that magic. I'm going to take Notre Dame-Miami for my next pick, the Catholics versus the Convicts, as I like to call it. Um, this rivalry was insane in the 
late 80s with Lou Holtz and Jimmy Johnson as the coach of Miami. These two were at the top of their game in the national spectrum. And although this is not a rivalry anymore, this used to be a rivalry like no other with the good guys in Notre Dame and the tough guys in Miami, the talented guys. And it was a rivalry with clashing styles. And there was a 30 for 30 about it. That was really good. And uh, yeah. Um, For my third pick, I'm going to take Michigan, Notre Dame. These two teams have played each other for as long as I can remember. And they've created all-time classics. Um, And this rivalry will long live forever. All right, with my final pick in uh, all-time rivalries, I'm going to go with Oklahoma-Texas, the Red River rivalry. And this rivalry was especially, you know, important this year as both teams are back again, um, back on the national stage. Oklahoma with Kyler Murray in that flourishing offense in Texas came back with Tom Herman leading the way. And as Texas won the game 48-45 this year, Um, An absolute heavyweight battle, but this is a really good rivalry that has been aging back a long time. For my last pick, I'm going to take Florida and Florida State. Uh, These two teams are two great programs, always consistently winning, and it uh, looks to me that they'll hopefully be um, coming in the next couple of years. Right now, these two teams aren't very great, but um, they've had a lot of good games in the early 2000s, 90s, and all the years before. Um... So yeah, that concludes our final four for this week for uh, college football rivalries. And today we will end you with it's the most wonderful time of the year. And also I want to give a shout out to Bill Walton for doing the Pac-12 preview today. The Conference of Champions, as he likes to say. Mm -hmm. And it truly is the most wonderful time of the year as we have football going on, college basketball is coming on, the hot stove is really heating up in baseball. Everything is great. Happy holidays as we head into December. Have a great weekend, everyone. It's the most wonderful time of the year. With the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer.